question. And we're getting up there. Ten. It's number ten. So it's, it's a celebratory Ask Mark session, which is why we're going to have such a hot topic today. Um, so in this series, in general, we talk about service design, experience design, design thinking, UX, CX, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's how we always describe this, uh, this series. But today is exactly that. And Mark and I are your hosts. Welcome. Welcome. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to today. I'm Mark, uh, founder and CEO of uh, Modern Metrics. And uh, Nicole, who are you? I'm, I'm Nicole. <laughs> yeah, I <like> <laughs> so I work with Mark, which I'm sure everyone could have guessed. Um, and I'm in North America. So Mark's in Austria. I'm in Vancouver. And I work with our North American clients and help them adopt tools and methods of service design and help them be successful with our software. Nice. But today is not about our software. So how is it no. going to work? So uh, today is going to be about the non-differences between all of these different practice names that we hear uh, thrown around out there, all these different titles everyone has. Um, and we're gonna talk about our thoughts on uh, the differences or non-differences between those roles. So we do have some questions that we've collected beforehand. Um, I've got them here in front of me. And then our listeners who are live can pop questions into the chat. So if you have a question you'd like to ask, pop it into the chat. I'm gonna be watching that um, and I'll make sure that we answer all of those questions today. Um, if you're asking a question in the chat, make sure you ask it to all panelists and attendees. That way everyone else can see your questions as well. Um, yes. Um, as always, I got to kick off with, um, with a short intro and, and I, use two things for that. The first one is uh, the cover of our book, where it says, this is service design doing. And um, actually there's a, a, little, uh, a little footnote on that, where it says, well, for design thinking, UX design, customer or uh, experience design, service marketing, entrepreneurship, business design, human-centered design, and of course, service design, or whatever you call what we're doing. And that kind of describes my approach to it. Um, and I talked about that uh, quite a few times. And I actually would like to kick off with showing just a few selected slides uh, from a talk um, around that topic that I gave in 2016, four years ago at an um, experience design conference in San Francisco. Let me share my screen with you. And I named the talk uh, back at that time, this lean agile design thingy thing, which kind of also described how I see these things. Um, the full talk is still available um, as a video. So if you just Google the title, I'm sure you're gonna find it if you're interested in it. Um, and I just picked a few slides of that. Um, I think one of our core jobs when we work as a service designer or whatever your title is, what we are doing, uh, in an organization, uh, one of our main jobs is actually to break down silos. So I help loads of organizations to embed and scale service design within their teams. And one thing I saw there is that organizations while embedding service design, they're actually building new silos. 
So I've been working with organizations who have a team for service design, but they also have a team for innovation, for UX design, for customer experience, whatever. And, and if we look beyond the labels and look at what they're doing, most of them were actually doing similar stuff. There were loads of political fights about who is allowed to use which tool. There are departments which are actually doing service design, but they're not allowed to use the term customer journey or journey map uh, because the team of customer experience has ownership of that. Um, and I think that is crap because our main job is to break down silos, but then we're building one our own. Um, I gave some examples of this talk and so on, but I end on the note that there are so many different uh, approaches out there. Just a few as examples here. And what we see also in organizations is that they try to bring all of them together. And the result of that are these kinds of models. And th th there are many of these models. And uh, I'm not a fan of one. And it's not that I hate this one in particular. It's, it's just they are out there in general. And I just want to give an example, because what you see there is that those different approaches often result in different teams doing it. So you have a team working on design thinking, a team working on lean uh, UX, a team working on agile, a team working on growth hacking, and then you have a team for lean startup. And often those descriptions become part of um, their, their job descriptions. So suddenly you have, um, again, silos and actually what this model describes is not a real iterative process that what design actually is but it's actually a linear process because what it doesn't allow anymore is to move between these different activities and if there are things where you need to uh, do more research but your project is already with a team of just an example here growth hacking and you need to do more research, the model doesn't allow that. And uh, the team, because it's not part of their job, is not allowed to do that. And I think this really contradicts what we're doing in design. So if, if we are honest, how a design process works is, is not this lean design, agile thingy thing. Um, and frankly, I'd, I'd like to quote um, um, a very respected colleague of mine. Um, and, and she said, um, what, what we're doing is often common sense, but not common practice. And, and a lot of the stuff we do is actually common sense, but it's not common practice because we have these silos in an organization, these teams with different responsibilities and so on. Why isn't it common practice? Well, some people still believe you can plan projects uh, end to end before you actually start, start the project. In particular, in innovation, in design, this doesn't work. And then design processes, if you squeeze them again in these models and silos again, they're not open and iterative anymore. But actually, you follow um, a step-by-step -step linear process. And then I, I just add with that, um, Essentially, if we look behind all these uh, different models, um, you see that, that all of them share a few core components. Um, if we look behind the, the labels, they all agree that whatever we work on is, is never really finished because it's just one version of it and then there will be next one and the next one. 
We progress by doing many experiments. We test out things and then we improve and go forward. And we do this by asking real people, ask real humans. So in service design teams, uh, in service design terms, I think all of these approaches agree that we work in iterations, we do prototyping, we do research. And that's kind of the core thing behind all these models. And I'm done. That was my brief intro. Now I'm really awesome. looking forward to your questions. Okay, so before I get into questions, just comment here from uh, Lacey. And when you were talking about the model, she just kind of gave you the thumbs up there that models are really confusing for people who are learning. And, uh, and yeah, and if you look at them, you could set five up in a line together and look at them. And really, if you break them down, they're talking about all the same things. Um, and I think it's just how people try to organize their thoughts, but I don't think you wanna to spend too much time breaking your brain over the models. All right, so we are gonna get started with some questions. And the first question that I have, so a reminder for everyone on the call, if you have a question, pop it into the chat. Um, and we have a question here from Josh. Design thinking or service design, What's the difference if we strictly just look at the definitions? Well, I don't think there is um, a widely acknowledged definition of, of either of them. Um, no. <laughs> but it, it's so many different authors, books have been written about the topics and they define it differently. Agency, organizations define it differently. Essentially, I think it's it's pretty much the same. Some say service design is the application of design thinking on services. Um, I personally, I don't restrict service design to services because a service often includes physical things, goods, uh, physical products, or physical um, or, or digital products, or um, internal services, or business models. Part of that. Um, I don't think they, for me, it's exactly the same. Um, but maybe maybe I'd like to quote another colleague. Um, so I, I quoted Lauren Curry earlier um, on, the, on the common thing thing, uh, common sense thing. And now I quote uh, Adam Lawrence. Um, and he likes to say, there are lumpers and there are splitters in the world. Lumpers are people who look for similarities. So if you compare services or design thinking, they look for similarities between them and splitters are the ones who look for differences between those. Personally, I'm a lumper, so I look for similarities. Um, I think one core difference between service design and design thinking is that design thinking um, was kind of hijacked by consultancies and agencies. And sometimes if you hear about design thinking, uh, they refer to a workshop format um, that, that is exactly 55 minutes or one hour or whatever, uh, where you basically just put posters on the wall. And that is, to me, neither design thinking nor service design. So for me, it's just a label for exactly the same thing. Yeah, I would agree. And I think I like to always add on that they are the same thing when done well. well. Because you're yeah. right, it has been hijacked. And I, um, when I started in the service design world, um, I had a friend who works for a very large global software firm who had done this workshoppy version of design thinking. And I was so excited about this new world I was in. And she said to me, frankly, all I see is post-its on walls and nothing getting done. 
Um, and that was, you know, eight years ago and, and stuck with me because that's really what it can look and feel like if it's not done well. Yeah, you're absolutely right on that. You're absolutely right on that. Yeah. Okay. So adding to that, and I think we've kind of answered it, but let's see if you've got anything else you want to say here is um, adding to that, what are the differences or similarities between product design and service design? Mm, I think we've yeah. mostly covered it. Well, mm. I think from an from education perspective, it's really interesting because there are different job titles, there are different study programs for it. Um, and, and for me, it's, it's a different focus maybe. So product design rather focuses on material things, whereas service design rather focus on immaterial things. Um, but I mean, I see product designers creating awesome services um, and I see service designers creating awesome products. Yes, if, if, again, if you look behind the label, um, the, the process, the basic way of working is the same. The difference is probably in nuances depending on what you design for, what, what is the project you are. But it's the same within service design. I mean, there are service design projects which are which are completely digital. Uh, what's the difference then to UX design? It's it's for me it's it's different fragrances, but actually the core of what they um, what they entail is the same. It's just a different label and differences in nuances. Agreed. Agreed. Um, okay. So I've got a question, Lacey, I'm going to ask your question a little later on because I think it's a good one for closer to the end, but I won't forget it. Next question uh, from Yifan, and he's in Jersey City, US. He's a beginner in the UX field, and he would like to know what are UX designers duty in the industry and what skills are necessary? Hmm. Um, so UX design and, and it's yeah again it's it's nuances and differences and as a tip don't get distracted by the title of a job um, or the job description of it but rather look at what you really have to do and often job descriptions are rather vague and rather general if you then talk to the people you actually work with so ask a lot of questions when you when you start working with someone um, then you realize really what you do. Because sometimes under the label UX design, it's more research. Sometimes under the label of UX design, it is actually UI design. So more um, crafting interfaces and, and, and rather going the direction of, of graphic design. Um, and sometimes it is really thinking about processes, flows, customer experience of the entire uh, process and so on. It's the same thing again with service design. So all what I've said is true also for the label of service design or the label of design thinking. Um, so look behind that. Um, I, would, I would ask, what, what do you want to do? And if you, UX design like service design is a broad field. And in fact, it is a team sport. So I'm, I'm struggling with the service designer or the UX designer because you might have someone who facilitates the whole process, who, who leads projects, and they need different skills than someone who focuses on research or someone who focuses on crafting uh, interfaces. Um, what, what do you want to do? What are, what are your deep skills? Think about the T-shaped person. 
And where is it enough to have a shallow knowledge to connect with your colleagues? For me, UX design, service design is a team sport and you need loads and loads of different um, skills for different tasks within that. Yeah. So it's not, it's Absolutely. probably not a nice answer. Um, it's, it's, it would be easier to say, well, these are the skills and done, um, but that's not true. Yeah, it's, it's not quite that clear. I've found um, in my experience in the agency that sometimes the only difference between what, you know, what we would call people on our UX team versus our service designers was really maturity and experience as you have more time just working and understanding the way different businesses work and having exposure to that, your ability to think more holistically and more broadly grows. Um, so sometimes there's a little bit of, um, I don't want to say seniority because that implies uh, time in, a, in an organization, but just life experience that can really kind of help bridge some of those perceived gaps. I would add to that, that it can be also the other way around. Like if you mm -hmm. have uh, an, an organization, I work with, I have one client in mind, um, a large organization with a large UX team, 150 people working there just in the UX team. Um, if you look at the maturity of that team, it is, it is amazing and well ahead of the new, uh, newly established service design team or the customer experience or however they call it. Um, so again, look beyond the label and see where is the maturity. I think that is a great tip, um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't stick it to a label. I would rather say, look, look at how far are these people actually? Because if you look into um, the early, early writings of UX design, um, if you talk to pioneers in UX design, they never limited themselves to the screen, right? They always looked at the entire experience also beyond the screen. But somehow over time, UX kind of limited themselves to, to a screen, but there are still teams who, who don't limit themselves to the screen, who look at the entire customer experience, try to connect different channels and make sure that there is a, a consistent experience when you switch between channels, also non-digital channels. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree 100%. I think too that those, those teams that do find themselves confined to the screen within their UX jobs, um, that's often a point of frustration of yeah. not being able to break beyond those boundaries because I think they know that they, they can provide value there and should. Okay, Absolutely. so we've got, we've got questions that I would say are coloring outside the lines of our topic, but I think they're really good. So I'm gonna share them. Um, how can I, this is from Augustine. How can I introduce or prove the value of customer journey maps to process engineers that focus only on business process mapping? Nice one. It's, it's a bit off topic, I agree. So I try to keep it, it short so we yeah. keep the, the rest questions on the topic. Um, it, first thing is add something to it that adds value to them. Often if you, if you show someone a journey map and, um, and they say, well, that's, this is not of value uh, to me, what they actually say in kind of the subtext of it is this map does not include um, relevant information for me. So think about um, adding certain lanes to a map. Uh, think about rather going in the direction of a service blueprint where you not only map the, the customer experience, which should be the leading experience there, but then you add what is happening on front stage, what is happening on, uh, on backstage. And by that, you can actually combine those um, together. Um, 
with the caveat that if you do that, people will have a tendency to focus on the internal processes and tend to forget uh, the actual customer experience. And that then is your role to be an ambassador um, of the customer experience and always ask, so what is the customer experience here? Check how long internal processes take. If there's a blank spot on the customer experience, they are never blank spots. That means the customer is waiting. So how is the experience of waiting while their internal process is going on and so on? But you can nicely combine those together. Mm -hmm, for sure. Okay. Um, I'm seeing some questions popping up that I think we can use them for inspiration for another session. I'm going to try to stay on topic. Um, so from Dory, what do you recommend one can do to try and discern whether a company does the design process well? especially for someone early in their design career and applying for jobs. I think it's super relevant, especially around like the differences between certain things when they're done well versus when they're not, which is where sometimes we see bigger differences floating up. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, there, there is not a label or, or like a, a rating for companies, um, how well their design process are from, from one to five or whatever. Um, or labor like a trusted design organization, whatever. There are a few things I would recommend to look out for. Um, one thing is, does they, just look at the products, look at the website, look at how they work. Do they use any dark patterns while they're doing that? Um, and do they do it on purpose? Or do they do it rather because it, it happens and no one really... Um, um, really, really realize that. Um, if you see that they that they do use dark patterns, I would I would say well, it's, uh, they might be good, uh, might might use a good design process and tools, but actually, um, I wouldn't work with them. Um, I would suggest read the book by Mike Montero um, on um, on on well how designers or the responsibility of designers um, and make your own decision then. Um, if it happens um, because it happened, ruined by design, yes, thanks. I was, I was searching for the title while I was talking. Thank you, that's the title of the book, uh, Ruined by Design. Um, if, if they use dark patterns, but you see it's, it's not consistently done or it's not done where it actually adds value um, to the organization, um, it's worth to chat with them and, and then have a conversation with them and, and maybe in a job interview try to talk also to people who are actually working because often in a job interview you talk to recruitment you talk to HR you might talk to leaders and and often when you are a design leader that mean you're actually not designing anymore because your job is to manage uh, an, a part of the organization you manage people it's not a bad thing um, it is just part of your job if you're really interested in it, and if they are really open to it, they will let you chat to someone in the organization who's actually practicing design and then have an open chat with them. Okie dokie. Um, all right, so we've got a question that was sent in earlier. Um, I'm a UX designer. This is from Josh. I think my skills are quite easy to transfer to service design. What's your opinion? Do you think there's anything specific I need to learn if I want to become a service designer and someone who's currently a UX designer? 
it depends on how what you understand under UX design. It could be that you're already doing exactly the same stuff. Um, what I typically see as differences um, is, on the one hand, um, the, the skill of being a facilitator, because you're actually working a lot with people in service design. And, and what might be uh, like your, being your, your mouse and, and, and screens and UX design, if you focus yourself on, on that, uh, is probably people, processes, organizational stuff in service design. A lot of the stuff we do is actually trying to understand organizations and, and change internal pro, uh, processes to create a certain customer experience. Um, and for that, you need to be a good facilitator. That's one thing. Um, on, the, on the method level, you might need to add slightly different research methods. Uh, so all that you know, you can apply and you can use it. But you also need uh, to use more ethnographic approaches where you actually shadow people or where you are at the, fly at the wall and, and you try to understand people in space, so to say, like how, what are they doing? Um, what are the, the processes in, in outside of a screen? Uh, and the same with prototyping. Also there you need a slightly different uh, method set uh, and tool set. Okay, great. Uh, you know, I, I really do. There's so much overlap that in my experience, there's so much like tools and language and ways of thinking that you're using already as a UX designer, most likely that are just directly transferable. It's really not going to be that different from the, the lens that you're using. So, okay, Carolyn has a question here. Um, just to time check here, we're at 28 after the hour. So I'm going to give two more questions. We're going to go a little bit over. Is that all right? Yep, absolutely. Great. Okay. So from Carolyn, I'm a UX researcher and I'm new to service design. At my job, we are starting to facilitate a lot of workshops to build out service blueprints. And I often find it difficult to keep groups from thinking and ideating within their silos. Any activities, methods, or tips for helping them to break out of their siloed thinking? Yeah, the, the, the question is, when do you need siloed thinking and when is it beneficial for a process? And when do you actually need to break it? Um, it's, it's, it's an example again from, from my colleague, Adam, um, where, where he said, think about the following situation. Um, you have, three different teams um, and each team consists of three people. One team is a team of doctors. One team is a team of rock stars. And one team is a team of nuns. What should you do if you want to achieve a lot of diversity? If you, if you want to get really uh, diverse ideas that, that, that are so different um, should you combine them and, and mix teams? So each team consists out of one non, one rockstar, and uh, one doctor. Or should you keep them distinct and have one team of doctors doing their ideation first, one team of rockstars, and one team of nuns? The thing is, if you mix them, they will restrict themselves to going into really extreme ideas. A rock star will probably not go that extreme if there is a doctor and a nun. A nun will not go extreme if there is 
a rock star in the team and so on. So they, they actually block themselves. On the other hand, if you have uh, the, the distinct teams, uh, the doctors will get uh, very extreme doctor ideas. The nuns will get very far outreaching nunny ideas and the rock stars will get very rocky ideas. So they go much far up. And in a second step then is if you mix them then in a second step, once they went very far in one direction, you will actually create way more diversity because they first were able to go into their direction. So my tip is if you, if you have very much siloed people, use that to your advantage. Perhaps let them first work in a very siloed approach. And in a second way, mix the team, it's called a group puzzle where you then mix the teams and make sure that each group consists out of different people. And they bring their very, um, very um, extreme, very thought through ideas and, and observations and perspectives then into the new group where they then can discuss them and hopefully um, 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 create in the end as a whole group better and more ideas. Also, the question is, do you need so many, um, many workshops? Do you actually um, want to create these kinds of artifacts like a journey map, uh, a blueprint only with, uh, with internal teams? Um, so what is the role of the customer? Um, shouldn't they be doing that as well? And when do you include them? Again, if you think of a group puzzle, you can start with some groups and add them as useful throughout the process. Fantastic. All right, I'm going to ask one last question. Uh, and this is that one from Lacey that I had saved for later. And it's a good wrap up question. Uh, Lacey would like to know your suggested resources for people who are learning um, on a done well version of the process. She also promises to read your books right away. <laughs> <laughs> Mark says, just read my books. It's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Um, th there are a few books I recommend. Um, I, I already mentioned one. Um, there is another good book that is actually quite here, which I think is absolutely fantastic to understand services in general and start to differentiate what is a good service and bad service. It's called a good services. Good services by Lou Dan absolutely recommend it have a look at that um beside that there are loads and loads of good uh, learning opportunities have a look at um the podcast platform uh this is hcd this is human-centered design um look at the online learning um platform of this is doing uh, which goes way farer than um, then this is services I'm doing because it's, it's about all the, the innovation and, uh, and designers. And have a look at our own blog where we have actually loads and loads of uh, different cases, examples from different industries and so on. Um, what else is there's a service design show, which is really good as well with loads and loads of different uh, interviews. Um, that's what's on top of my mind. Beside that, join communities and talk with people join your local service design drinks which is obviously um happening more in the in the online world right right now which is nice because you can access um uh, service design drinks from from different places all over the world 
um, there are conferences face-to-face, uh, -face, but on online as well, which are nice. So loads of different resources to, to look out for. That's a great answer. And I think, I think really what you highlight is that there's no, there's no one perfect model out there. At a high level, they're all very similar, but the more you're exposing yourself to all of these different points of view, the bigger and bigger your, your toolkit and your sort of bag of tricks comes so that when you are faced with a unique problem, you can think about what the right things to bring in are to start sort of working through that problem and, and creating some solutions. Nice. Okie dokie. I think we're going to wrap up. It is 34 after the hour. That's not too bad for us. No, but we, I, yeah. I, I mean, looking at the chat, uh, we actually missed quite a few questions. Oh. Uh, so hopefully um, we can actually uh, move them into the next session and get back to a few of them there. Yes, yes. And thank you everyone for being so incredibly engaged. Um, if I didn't read your question out, it's probably because I thought it would be best for my team to pull it and think about how we can fit it into a new topic. So um, we did we did read them all and we will take those all into account. Awesome. Okay. Thank Fantastic. you all. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Have a great day. Bye-bye.